0: Hi, and welcome to Sex y Todo Eso, sex ed for the next millennial parent. Join me and my co-host, Stephanie, as we tackle the topics of parenting and sexual health in our community while breaking cycles and building relationships in our families. This is the second episode of our three-episode series on puberty, universally acknowledged as the most awkward stage in life and might be the most awkward conversation we'll have with our kids. Are we are continuing the discussion of the emotional changes that happen during this stage and how parents can navigate the tricky terrain that is teenage? emotions. Embrace the awkwardness, folks. Have a listen.
1: Hello, my name is Stephanie.
0: And I'm Sassy, and welcome to Sexo y Todo Eso, Sex Ed for the Latinx Millennial Parent. Um, Welcome back, everyone, and if you're joining us for the first time, we're happy you're here, and we hope you go back and listen to the first few episodes and check out our platicas. Our last episode focused on the physical changes of puberty as well as how and when to start the conversation. Um, Physical changes are accompanied by an emotional roller coaster that lasts for several years, and as responsible parents, we are not allowed to get off of it.
1: So today we continue with episode two of our series on puberty, to recap, we are breaking up this series into three areas that undergo major changes during puberty. Physical changes, emotional changes, and social changes. Last week, we discussed the physical changes that happen in puberty. Today, we will focus on the emotional changes that happen during this time. We're talking about mood swings, sexual feelings, stress, and of course, young love.
0: All the highs and lows. Yeah. So we're going to take a few minutes just to summarize some of the main points about puberty um, that we uh, kind of got into the last time. But if you're looking for a more detailed discussion about what puberty is or what are the recommended ages to start having these discussions with your kids, please listen to our previous episode on the physical changes of puberty. Um, But just so that we're all on the same page, um, let's talk about what we mean when we say puberty. So puberty is a stage in life where there's a huge amount of physical, emotional, and social changes happening over a period of time um, in adolescence. And all of this starts happening between the ages of around 18 to 14. For some, it can happen a little bit sooner. For others, it can happen um, and start a little later. Um, In our platicas and conversations with parents throughout our work, the subject of puberty comes up very frequently, and the experience varies greatly by sex and gender. So when puberty is spoken of at all, it's typically only in the sense of the physical changes, and even then it's limited um, to menstruation or breast growth for girls or hygiene and erections for boys. So really no mention of any other types of physical changes that could happen and really nothing about emotional or social experiences of puberty.
1: And to reiterate what we
0: mentioned in our previous episode, the puberty
1: conversations will ideally happen before the onset of puberty. For some parents and young people, talking about the physical changes might be easier than delving into emotions and feelings that will come up during this time. As teenagers, it can feel embarrassing or even shameful to admit that we are having romantic or sexual feelings, or to share the stress and anxiety that can feel overwhelming and can be in part caused by us, their parents. For parents, it can be hard to acknowledge that our kids are ready to exert some of the independence that we've been preparing them for their entire life, and having conversations about dating and sex and anxiety and stress, about huge life choices— Um, like education and work, can feel a little too real and a little too soon. Also, the realization that our little babies will soon experience the heartbreak that can come with these new emotional experiences can feel like a punch in the gut. But having the conversation or even letting them know that we are there to celebrate their highs and support them through their lows can be a way to invite them to come to us, come to us in terms of uncertainty and share not only what's going on in their lives, but how they feel about it as well.
0: Yeah, so in order to fully um, understand what our kids are going through and to exercise a bit of patience and empathy, it's important for us to understand what Adolescents are going through developmentally how their brain is changing and how these um, can impact adolescent emotions, their behaviors, and their decision making. Um, so, a little bit of kind of like brain development science. So, the brain stops growing in size um, by age 11 for girls, around age 14 for boys. But even though it stopped growing in size, it's still continuing to develop, change, and mature until our mid to late 20s. So one of the last parts of the brain to mature and develop is the prefrontal cortex. And no surprise, this is the area of the brain that's responsible for controlling our impulses, um, being able to prioritize and plan, controlling our emotional behaviors. So this means that young people are more likely to engage in risky behaviors and less likely to consider the outcomes of their behavior because their brains are literally still developing the ability to do that. Yeah,
1: and so this is a stage in life where most young people are still trying to figure out who they are as people and who they hope to be as adults. Society is asking them to make choices about themselves and their lives that they might not be uh, developmentally or emotionally prepared for, and so it's not an easy thing to do. It's normal for young people to not only have changes in mood, but also changes in tastes and styles to change their mind about what they want to study and to have a different crush every week as they navigate attraction. With all this internal and, and external change and uncertainty, it's very important to create an environment where they feel safe to explore and experiment, where they can feel comfortable coming to you when something doesn't work out or when they need to just talk to talk to someone about something or just to vent. So normalize these changes, accept and support the ridiculous hair and clothes, horrible music, and crush of the week, and validate every supercharged emotion that is expressed. The moods are swinging, but that does not make them any less real.
0: Yeah, so a combination of hormones, new emotions, new life experiences, and the external pressures can make things feel more intense at this age. And these feelings can fluctuate at a moment's notice. It can cause young people to behave in ways that might perplex us or make choices that calmer minds would not consider. Um, We've all heard about teenagers being hormonal and have probably all heard or even used this to excuse some pretty inexcusable behavior. Um, Yes, hormones do kickstart puberty, and yes, they are partly responsible for um, the moodiness and decisions that teenagers make, but it does not make a person unaccountable for behavior that causes harm to others. Um, And we'll give an example just so you guys get an idea of what we're talking about. So I think um, the phrase boys will be boys um, is pretty familiar to most people who grew up here in the United States. Um, It's used to explain away, diminish, and dismiss behavior ranging from physical violence to sexual harassment. And this idea that boys will be boys, which is mostly only used for cis young boys, comes from a belief or a myth that because young boys are in this puberty stage, their hormones make it impossible for them to control themselves. And this has very real life consequences. It impacts anything from school dress codes to legal outcomes for violent or sexual um, and physical behavior. Um, so this phrase of boys will be boys allows young boys to feel they can get away with problematic behavior and it also makes young girls feel that it's okay or even normal to be the victims of this behavior
1: yeah Cesse you bring up a good point and I think another one that I've um, heard pretty common um, is that you know that young girls are more mature than boys um, mm-hmm. and we kind of touched on it on the on the brain development, but that's also been used to, you know, excuse any behavior from, you know, young cis boys. Um, and so even though puberty is no excuse for inexcusable behavior, young people experience a lot of new emotions during puberty that they might not know what to do with. And so we'll go over a few of them. And it's really important to, um, learn, and also give our young people skills to manage their emotions. So one of the first ones we'll go over is embarrassment. So there's a lot going on that might cause for embarrassment embarrassment at this age. So everyone is witnessing us going through this physically, emotionally, and socially awkward stage. It's so embarrassing. And then people insist on talking to them about it. So, you know, you want to respect your child or your teen space and follow their lead when it comes to having these conversations. Make space for them to happen and provide other resources if a conversation is not something that they are quite ready for. Another emotion that comes up uh, frequently during puberty is uncertainty. So there's a lot of uncertainty for young people at this age. They're growing up and they're expected to behave and act more maturely, but then at the same time are not afforded all the liberty and independence that adults have. Um, This can leave them with feeling unsure of where they stand with a lot of feelings. So this is why it can be very important to establish clear boundaries and expectations that can guide them while allowing freedom to explore and make decisions where it makes sense and it's safe.
0: Yeah. And also, um, something else that comes up during puberty is self-esteem. So it can be really hard not to compare ourselves to others, even as, you know, adults, just humans, um, compare our looks, we compare our intelligence, our creativity, our accomplishments, um, And because everyone goes through puberty at their own pace, this can create a disparity between peers, not only in looks, but in um, the things that come up for them emotionally and socially as well. So this can exacerbate feelings of not quite measuring up to those around you or maybe feeling self-conscious about how much faster you might be developing in these areas or how that affects how other people view you. Um, So there's a lot of comparison going around that can impact a person's um, self-esteem, self-image. Um, Something that also comes up a lot for teenagers is um, anger, right? A lot of um, anger, easy easy irritability. Um, And with teenagers, this can be something else, right? So feelings can be really intense in this area. But we have to keep in mind, you know, aside from everything they're going through developmentally and in their brain, um, young people are going through that and also juggling a lot from school to family, friends, their own personal goals, hobbies, extracurriculars. Their bodies are changing, their feelings and relationships are either new or transforming. So, and they have control over virtually none of it. So, this is very frustrating. I don't know if y'all remember, but. it can be very frustrating going through all that, um, being expected to make all these choices, but not really having control over your life. Um, and like with a lot of people, the ang- or the answer to frustration is typically anger or irritability, um, and along with not having the ability to control or make a lot of the decisions in their lives, they might also feel limited in how they can express their frustration because along with this, they're also scared um, of disappointing the people that they care about um, and the people that care about them. Yeah,
1: definitely. And then um, we see a lot of stress and anxiety during puberty. Um and it can be overwhelming at this age. Young people face a lot of academic and social pressures. On top of that, they are also dealing with the anxiety about their bo- changing body, whether they are normal, how fast or slow they are happening, um, and how they measure up to their peers. Um, so they also face changing expectations as they get older. Parents might expect more mature behavior and self-control, Peers have their own sets of expectation in regards to clothing, music, going out, and they now face the added expectation from dating partners and having more intimate, emotional, and physical relationships with others. So in terms of romantic feelings and sexual attraction, um, the emotional development that gets the most attention during puberty is you know, this area. Right. So young people might start to have crushes and more intense attraction to others. Like everything else in puberty, this also develops differently for everyone. Some might start showing romantic interest in others earlier or later than their peers. And either way, it is normal. It's normal to start having sexual attraction to others as well.
0: Yeah. And, um, Sex, uh, is, it's hard to talk about when relating to young people because I think as parents, you know, um, we definitely want it to be delayed as long as possible. Not just because, you know, we've seen this little human grow up, but also because um, we've been through it, right? We know all the different things that can happen in relationships, but it is a fact that young people have sex. It's going to happen. Not all young people, but young people as a whole do have sex. So the latest CDC um, data reports that 55% of young people have had sex by the age of 18. So over half of teens have had sex by 18. And as parents, it's important that we don't ignore that adolescents are sexual beings or the possibility that they might have sex. Um, It's important to talk to them about what the values and expectations around sex are in your family. Before they're put into a situation where they might have to make the choice to have sex or not. It'll help them be prepared to have sex in a way that's safe, healthy, pleasurable for themselves and their partners, or to be able to communicate their boundaries and not engage in something that they're not comfortable or uh, ready for. So the expectations and values around sexual behavior are going to be different for each family and are going to depend on the culture, religion, or maybe your own personal experiences with sex. But whether a family expects young people to wait to have sex until marriage, until they go to college, fall in love, or just plain want to and have a willing and eager partner, it's still very important that young people know how to have sex safely and in a healthy and pleasurable way. Because they more than likely will have sex at some point in their lives and they need to be prepared for their well-being and the well-being of their partner. So you may be wondering,
1: um, how do we handle this with our own kids? How do we apply this to our own families? Um, as Ceci and I, we are educators and we deal with this um, from an educator perspective. And I know Ceci has a new mom She's dealing with it um, as a parent, but one of the most helpful things an adult can do for the emotional health of our young people during puberty is to treat their emotions as legitimate and valid. Adults have a tendency to dismiss and diminish young people's feelings because we think that they are exaggerated for the situation or that they do not have the life experience to really know what certain feelings are. So how many of us remember being told, oh, you're too young, or what do you know about love or struggle or depression or loss? As adults, we have to keep in mind that even though their feelings might seem out of proportion for an adult, or that they do not have the life experience to back them up, what young people are feeling, whether it's love, stress, sadness, or disappointment, it is the strongest that they have felt up to that point in their life and to them, they are very real. Sure, they might find another love after a breakup at 15, but in that moment, it is devastating, and being told that they're too young to know what real love is is just not helpful. Um, It's not respectful of their very real pain. It doesn't teach them the skills to navigate new and complicated emotions. A lot of times, all of that that is needed is a simple, I'm so sorry that this is happening. This really sucks. Or maybe just allowing space for their feelings to vent.
0: Yeah. So we've talked about um, before about how even though we've been through this life stage, we might not always fully understand the unique experience of our kids, what they're going through, but that doesn't mean that we don't have anything to offer. Um, Sharing our own experiences um, to the point that, you know, it's appropriate and that you're comfortable with might make young people feel less alone and can help normalize a lot of what they're going through. It can help young people feel more comfortable also coming to you and trusting you with their feelings because they know that you trusted them with yours and you trusted them with your experiences as well. Um, and I mean, they're not always going to be super receptive. A lot of times it might feel that they don't want to you know, sit around and listen to you reminisce about when you were 15 and in love, but it can be really helpful. Um, and Even if they don't listen or if it feels that they shut down, it creates a space where they know, okay, this is something to talk about for whenever it is um, they are ready and comfortable with it. So establishing great communication with our young people is a really really great, great way to ensure that even though they might not share everything with us, that they know they have our support. Um, and having said this, it can be very hard to know how to effectively communicate with young people. Um, a lot of the parents that we work with often express frustration at always saying the wrong thing, even though their feelings were in the right place and their intentions were in the right place. Um, so generational differences and the understanding of social constructs and of language can make communication a little difficult, especially um, when it comes to relationships, Um, It's easy to make assumptions about the romantic lives and interests of our kids, but a few changes to the way we ask questions about their dating lives can help make our kids feel more comfortable opening up to us regardless of who they are attracted to.
1: Yeah, so not making assumptions about the gender of their crushes or who they are attracted to can be a great way to create an inclusive environment in your home. Um, this can be very hard to do. We might consider ourselves as open-minded and progressive as a parent could be, but we live in a society that has deeply ingrained certain concepts and language in our brains, and it could take a lot of deliberate effort to unlearn it. And so, and I can speak from experience, you know, learning different terms and practicing saying pronouns, um, you know, it it is hard at first. And I mean, you will mess up, but, you know, as long as you see those mistakes, acknowledge those mistakes and change um, and keep practicing, that's what's important. And so keep in mind that even if we create the most accepting, inclusive environment in our homes, young people might still have a hard time coming out to their families. And it could be our first impulse to get defensive. Like, you know, why would you think I wouldn't be accepting? Or, you know, I would never um, not accept you. But this is unhelpful. And just validating their hesitation and coming to you in the first place, it's creating distress and change. Like with any other topic we've covered in this podcast, thinking through the situation beforehand can help us react in a way that we want to instead of on impulse.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think a lot of times it's, and the parents that we talk to um, in that moment, um, it's very easy to make it about us, right? Like, why didn't you trust me? Why didn't you come to me? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely not about that. It's just about being supportive. Um, it's all that's needed. Um, and the kind of the last thing we want to discuss to wrap up um, this episode on emotional changes in puberty is uh, mental health. Um, Because of the ups and downs of adolescence, it can be really hard to distinguish between what's normal, you know, adolescent emotional behavior and what's something that should be a cause for concern. Um, All of the changes going on in uh, brains at that um, age, as well as the physical and emotional and social changes can really put young people at an increased risk for mental health disorders. And many mental health disorders um, first appear during adolescence and are first diagnosed during adolescence as well. So we really wanna go over some things to look out for um, with young people that might indicate the need for uh, mental health support or to reach out to your doctor. Um, So some of the things to look out for are things like excessive sleeping. So this goes beyond usual teenage fatigue. So it's true that during the teenage years, um, they're, they need a lot of sleep. I think it's like around nine hours a night or something like that. Um, but this is beyond that. So fatigue that they are taking multiple naps during the day. Um, they lose interest in doing anything, but you know, sleeping and resting, um, which could indicate depression or substance use, um, insomnia, other sleep disorders are a good thing to look out for as well um, loss of self-esteem. Um, so maybe a lot of self negative self-talk, a lot of, um, putting oneself down, um, more than typical, right. Um, abandonment or loss of interest and favorite pastimes. So when they lose interest in their hobbies, maybe they were really, um, you know, into like soccer or, you know, dance or whatever, but all of a sudden they like, drop out of the team or don't want to go to practices anymore, Um, or maybe they used to spend a lot of time drawing and doing art and all of a sudden they just don't want to do it anymore Um, can be an indication that something's going on. Also, um, unexpected and dramatic declines in academic performance. So if their grades are falling, teachers are making comments that, you know this is not typical for them. Um, Those are things to look out for and maybe be curious about. Um, thinking about weight loss and loss of appetite, um, which could indicate a range of things, but among them an eating disorder. So we talked about earlier how self-image and self-esteem can be um, a great, you know it's a it's a big deal um, during adolescence. So um, looking out for those things can be really helpful. Um, personality shifts and changes um, if you're you know typically, agreeable, nice child is suddenly aggressive um, or is showing excessive anger or ri- irritability um, that are really out of character for them, um, it could indicate that something's going on, right? Um, so this is by no means an exhaustive list and there are very specific warning signs associated with you know different mental health disorders, but it can definitely be a starting point. Um, and if you have um, any causes for concern, um, it's definitely best to talk to your child's doctor. Um, so something else also associated with mental health that we wanted to talk about, it's kind of how it manifests in Latino homes specifically. Um, so Stephanie and I were talking about, you know, mental health stigma and how a lot of times it's very difficult for us as parents to recognize mental health issues in our young folks. Um, when we, when it wasn't really ever talked about with us growing up. Right. So we never really talked about it. We don't know what it looks like, or mm-hmm. we think that even signs of mental health are just normal, right. Normal way to live our lives. So it's hard to identify it in our young people. Right. Yeah. And some of the messaging that, that I've heard for sure.
1: Um, and I've heard other parents that we have worked with mention, um, in our sessions is, you know, we have, a lot of parents that are immigrant parents and like i've mentioned that my parents are immigrants as well um and so there's this phrase of like de que tienes que estar deprimido o deprimida right um tu que sabes de sacrificio or he sacrificado tanto te damos tanto te damos todo right like you know, they give us everything they provide for us. Like we have nothing to be depressed about or to be angry about or sad about. Right. And so a lot of times they say like, ponte hacer algo, right. Like don't just mope around. And so I think those are some of the messages that we grew up with, um, or we've heard if not in our families, right. Um, we've heard other families say, and so those can be very damaging as well, especially, um, In the age of puberty, and so unlearning that language, obviously, and um, you know, putting the focus more on you know validating feelings, right? Even if you might not agree with them or you might not understand them at the at that point, but letting them just feel what they feel, and then you know having a conversation with them afterward.
0: Yeah, no, definitely, I think that happens a lot, and is a great point of kind of like um, making young people feel that they don't have the space to be sad or upset or angry. Um, because, you know, like you said, parents sacrificed a lot to bring us here and to give us a better life. So admitting that there's something quote unquote wrong, um, is kind of like falling short and disappointing them. Right. Um, not, -hmm. Honoring that sacrifice that they made. So, right. Mm -hmm. Definitely something to consider because those are phrases that very easily, you know, come to mind. Yeah. And another one
1: I just thought of like, yo a tu edad, yo ya tenía esto, tenía esto lo otro, yo hacía esto, yo hacía esto otro. Like, yeah, the list goes on, right? Um, Of these phrases that we've heard. And so, yeah, just. Doing our inner healing so that we don't project that uh, to the future generations. Yes. I am going to add one more thing. D- depression will look differently. And I think society has, has painted a picture of what depression looks like. And, you know, it's typically like a gloomy character. Uh, but sometimes, like, you can't tell whether someone is depressed or whether they are going through depression. And so I think this is also a good starting point. If you haven't had your child in therapy or your teen in therapy, um, this could be a good way to get them started on therapy. Um, You know, just like you take them to their pediatrician, um, you know, helping them find you know, a good therapist to take care of their mental health because mental health is part of overall wellness that we all need to take care of and normalize. Um, I think this going through puberty can can be an opportunity uh, for your teen to to do that and you know, kind of normalize mental health in that regard.
0: Yeah, definitely, and like with a lot of other things, go hand in hand with like parenting. And um, not just mental health, but any other kind of um, behavior that we want to see in our kids, right? Modeling is a big part of that. So also as adults and parents, letting our young people see us take care of ourselves, right? See us take care of our mental health and our well-being Mm -hmm. um, and uh, coping with our own emotions and feelings can uh, really help them figure out how they want to deal with theirs as well. So that's, yeah, a really great point. I'm glad you added that um yeah thank you and uh we hope you join us next time this wraps up our episode on emotions during puberty uh next time we'll be talking about social changes during puberty we hope you tune in yes thank you for
1: staying with us and we hope you enjoyed this episode follow us on instagram at six where you can stay up to date with what's going on with us Check us out on our stories, ask us all your questions, DM us, uh, tell us about your experiences with sex ed. We'd love to hear from you. If you like what we have to say, please subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss another episode. And remember, make good choices. Adios.